Welcome to The Rundown, your source for the latest news and updates from the Kansas Legislative Division of Post Audit, featuring LPA staff talking about recently released audit reports and discussing their main findings, key takeaways, and why it matters. I'm Brad Hoff. In March 2022, Legislative Post Audit released a performance audit that determined whether economic impact statements submitted by state agencies are generally accurate and what impact did the Division of the Budget's review have on them. Also, the audit looked at whether the $3 million cost threshold is appropriate to trigger the state's hearing procedure. I'm with Matt Etzel, Performance Audit Manager, who supervised the audit, and two team members, Tanner Rohr and Maury Exline. Matt, Tanner, and Maury, welcome to The Rundown. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having us. For someone who isn't familiar with economic impact statements, explain what they are and how they are used. Yeah. So I think to understand economic impact statements, you really first have to understand Kansas administrative regulations. So in Kansas, state agencies can enact administrative regulations. Uh, Typically, agencies use these regulations to create rules for businesses, local governments, or just the general public. Uh, So, for example, the Department for Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism uses administrative regulations to set annual fees for hunting and fishing, Uh, but regulations are used by different agencies for a variety of reasons, from establishing criteria for Medicaid and unemployment uh, to setting weight limits on commercial trucks. So, uh, as you can imagine, some of these regulations have some economic impact or cost associated with them. So, for example, a regulation introducing a new licensing fee for hunting would result in a new cost to the general public. So what economic impact statements are really meant to do is to try to capture any of those costs, benefits, or overall impact of any new or recently amended administrative regulations. Now, in 2018, state law was amended that significantly changed the economic impact statement process. Talk about these changes and what it requires of both state agencies and the division of the budget. Yeah, so in 2018, the economic impact process kind of expanded. Uh, So for one, state agencies had to provide much more detail on their economic impact statements. Uh, So for example, agencies now need to report a specific dollar estimate for any new compliance costs. They need to report on steps they took to minimize those costs. And they need to show how the administrative changes could affect specific businesses or the general public. Uh, And those are just a few examples of the new uh, requirements. So overall, the statements became much more detailed for uh, state agencies to fill out. Uh, The other big change in 2018 was requiring the division of the budget to review every economic impact statement. So prior to 2018, agencies could request the division review their statements, but that wasn't necessarily required. Uh, But starting in 2018, the Division of the Budget was required to review every economic impact statement to ensure they're, they're one, accurate, and two, uh, complete. And as part of that, um, there's really specific language in state law that the Director of Budget must complete an independent analysis of the costs or economic impact for each statement. So those are really the two main changes that happened in 2018, uh, the level of detail in the statements and the requirement that the Division of the Budget review each statement. Now, as part of this audit, the team reviewed a sample of economic impact statements between 2018 to 2020 to determine how accurate uh, these economic impact statements are. Walk me through what you found. 
Yeah, so we reviewed a sample of 23 statements from nine different state agencies. I should say our sample isn't projectable, but it did give us a good variety of statements from those nine agencies. Uh, for the most part, we focus on statements from 2018 to 2020, because again, after 2018, those statements became much more detailed. Uh, but we did also look at one statement from 2014 and one from 2017. Uh, so basically, we reviewed those 23 statements to determine if they were complete and reasonable. So that would include things like, were all the required fields filled in, were responses logical, and were estimates free of any obvious errors. What we ended up finding was that a few of those statements did have some minor issues. So, for example, the cost methodology in two of the statements wasn't detailed enough for us to understand how the agency came up with their estimates. Uh, and one of those statements was also incomplete in that there were some sections that should have been filled in that weren't. Um, and on another statement, we found uh, a minor calculation error in one of their savings estimates. But I think the bigger issue we ran into was that state agencies were pretty inconsistent in how they filled out these statements. Uh, so, for example, a few agencies reported state revenue or savings as a compliance cost. Uh, when we asked them about this, they basically said, there weren't any obvious costs, but they didn't want to leave that section blank. So they reported savings or revenue instead, uh, which could cause some confusion, right? If you're reading these statements pretty quickly or at a high level, uh, you could think that that revenue estimate could actually be a cost. We also found that agencies differed on whether they even needed to report a cost. Uh, so in one case, an agency didn't estimate cost for a new regulation on midwife care. That regulation came about because of a, a newly passed state law, and the agency basically acknowledged that there, there could be some costs, but said any costs were really the result of that new state law and not the regulation that they had to pass. Um, so they went ahead and put an NA for costs on their statement. Now, that's compared to another example we saw where an agency did report costs for new juvenile justice centers that were created specifically by state law. So there also appears to be some inconsistencies on when agencies believe it's actually necessary to report on these costs. And, and finally, there were some differences in the number of economic impact statements agencies submitted. So it's really, it's not uncommon for agencies to revise several regulations uh, at once. Uh, what we found though, was that in these cases, some agencies submitted a separate economic impact statement for each regulation where others bundled several similar regulations under just one single economic impact statement. So uh, I, I think the reason for some of this confusion is that there wasn't really any guidance for agencies on how to fill out these statements. So the division of the budget created an economic impact statement template for agencies to fill out, but it didn't provide any guidance on how to use it. So we did recommend the division put together some guidance for agencies to help improve the consistency of their statements. And one last thing on this question, I think it's also important to note that all of these statements that we're talking about here were approved by the Division of the Budget, despite them having some of these errors and inconsistencies. So from 2018 to 2020, we found the Division only reported sending three economic impact statements back to agencies to correct. That's out of about 380 statements that they reviewed. So we also concluded that overall, uh, the Division's review didn't really appear to have a significant impact uh, on these statements. As mentioned earlier, the Division of the Budget is responsible for reviewing these economic impact statements that state agencies submit. However, uh, your review found that the, the Division of the Budget review process did not include two requirements in state law. 
What is missing from the Division of the Budget's review, and what did the Division of the Budget officials say in response to these findings? So the first of the two requirements we felt weren't quite covered is that state law requires the Division of the Budget to estimate any changes in state revenue or expenditures that might occur as a result of the regulation change when possible. And then the second one is that state law requires the division of the budget to estimate any long-term or immediate impacts as appropriate. And then as far as the division's response goes, they largely agreed with our conclusions here and told us they plan to make those minor adjustments to the worksheets to include these terms. As of today, there is legislation, House Bill 2087, that pass both the House and the Senate, and that, among other things, would significantly reduce the number of economic impact statements the Division of the Budget reviews. Uh, summarize what else's bill would change related to economic impact statements. Yeah, so that's right. So under this bill, starting in fiscal year 2025, the Division of the Budget would only be required to review statements with two-year costs exceeding $3 million. For context, only two statements from 2018 to 2020 had costs exceeding $3 million. The other thing the bill does is to move the division of the budget's review to the end of the rules and regs review process. And I'll explain why that's important. So for a little bit of background, administrative regulations go through a multi-step review process. Currently, that starts with the division of the budget, who, as we know, reviews the accuracy of the economic impact statements. Then they're sent to the Department of Administration, who reviews the regulations for typos and errors. Then it's sent to the Attorney General's office for a legal review before ultimately being filed with the Secretary of State's office. If at any point in that process, any of those three agencies finds an error or has an issue, the entire review process has to restart, beginning again with the division of the budget. So we talked to these three agencies about this process, and what we learned is that, for the most part, It seems like it's really the Department of Administration and the Attorney General's office that require the most corrections. So putting the division of the budget at the end of this review process could really help save some time by preventing the division from having to re-review and and re-sign off on economic impact statements that they already reviewed. State law requires state agencies to hold public hearings for any economic impact statements that have an estimated two-year costs exceeding $3 million. However, the team wasn't able to fully evaluate the impact of this threshold because of how agencies reported costs. Why is that? So to start off, um, most of the statements had no costs associated with them at all. There were only about 60 statements that had even any kind of cost associated with the change. Um, Other agencies may have said that there was a cost cost, but they didn't give a number estimate, but instead said something like negligible or likely small. So like I said, there were about 60 statements that actually had a number cost. And of those, even fewer of them had costs that we could estimate a two-year cost from. So this happened for various reasons, but it all boils down to the fact that the agencies just aren't answering the questions on the economic impact statements in the same way. So Matt touched on this a little bit about those inconsistencies that were happening between agencies. 
For example, in this specific instance, a few agencies listed the cost as the cost per person or per business that would be affected, but didn't give the number of people or businesses that would be affected, so we couldn't extrapolate an overall cost. So that's kind of the reason why we weren't able to talk about the $3 million um, two-year costs overall, because the cost estimates just weren't consistent. Finally, what is the main takeaway of this audit? I think one of the main takeaways is that for some regulatory changes, it can be challenging for agencies to estimate a precise cost or economic impact. Uh, in some cases, costs are pretty straightforward, but in other cases, they're, they're a little more complex. And in those situations, some agency officials told us they just don't have the economic background to provide an estimate. And I think that could be one of the contributing factors as to why they're so few statements, you heard Maury mention uh, 60 out of those 380 statements that reviewed, you know, why there's so few statements that actually have an actual cost estimate associated with them. Matt Etzel is a performance audit manager at Legislative Post Audit, and Maury Exline and Tanner Rohr are auditors at Legislative Post Audit. They worked on an audit that determined whether economic impact statements submitted by state agencies are generally accurate and what impact did the Division of the Budget's review have on them. Also, the audit looked at whether the $3 million cost threshold is appropriate to trigger the state's hearing procedure. Matt, Tanner, and Maury, thank you for taking the time to discuss the audit's findings with me. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. To receive newly released podcasts, subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For more information about Legislative Post Audit and to read our audit reports, visit kslpa.org. Follow us on Twitter at KSAudit or visit our Facebook page.